You ever felt you're being watched sometimes? Have you ever had a cold shiver run down your spine? Sometimes we go through that. Sometimes we look for answers to questions we don't really truly understand. Like, are we truly alone in the universe? Is there life after death? This world is weird. It gets weirder by the day. And in that weird are questions that we have as curious beings known as humans. Tonight, we look into some of those questions and get a little weird. Cause we all are just a tad bit weird. Tonight on Weekend Weird. Welcome to Weekend Weird, the show about the weird and mundane and out in this universe and beyond. I'm your host, uh, Mr. Everything, Redneck. And uh, yeah, I'm not going to spend too much time with this opening. Um, this is part two of the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. Um, Ogo joins me as we continue on this topic and talk about some of the other conspiracies. That's, well, some of the conspiracies that's uh, out there in the world about this assassination. So without further ado, enjoy. Hello, hello, hello. How is it going? Good, 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 good. Here we are, part two. Yeah, yes, part two. <laughs> we got through the facts of the case now we're on to the crazy conspiracy theories that's out there man man and there's quite a bit well how yeah, about your average uh number <laughs> <laughs> well i felt like yesterday's episode i learned a lot more than i than i even thought i knew mm. um so that was a very uh I felt like that was a pretty informative episode, but let's let's get into the really crazy stuff here, I guess, um, because it gets a little wild. It, I've read more since last night, and it gets a little crazy. Yeah, it does. Um, well, let's start off with um, the actual assassin, John Wills Booth. Now, we introduced him. He's the guy that murdered Lincoln, uh, part of a conspiracy of uh, Southern sympathizers. Um, and he was chased down to Garrett's farm about 14 days later. And uh, he was shot and killed in Garrett's farm. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently to some people, uh, he might have uh, escaped. Oh. Uh, yeah, he might have escaped and lived to an old age. Um, this one, uh, where, where do we start with this? So the, where the conspiracy started, um, was really in 1907, um, uh, by a book by Finnis L. Bates, who wrote The Escape and Suicide of John Wells Booth. He contended that a Booth lookalike was, was mistakenly killed at Garifar while Booth eluded his pursuers. Booth, Booth said by Bates, assumed the pseudonym of John St. Helen and settled on the 
Poxadeli River near Glen Rose, Texas, and later moved to Granbury, Texas. He fell gravely ill and made a deathbed confession that he was the fugitive assassin, but he then recovered and fled, eventually committing suicide in 1903 in Oklahoma under the alias David E. George. What year was this? He wrote the book in 1907. Okay. Um, by 1913, more than 70,000 copies of the book had been sold. And Bates, in a like this so grim, exhibited St. Helen's mummified body in carnival sideshows. Okay. Yeah, he was taking around this guy's body who claimed he was John Wells Booth. Um, because he had no next to kin. Apparently, this guy who called himself John St. Helen and then changed his name to something else. He had no next to kin, so no one claimed the body. So this author claimed the body, and it was uh, exhuming and bring well, not exhuming, but bringing around the body to different carnival, carnival sideshows, saying that this is Lincoln's assassin, John Wells Booth. Now buy my book! <laughs> and so- tell you the tale. <laughs> So this guy is carting this uh, body around, claiming that it's John Wilkes Booth. Mm-hmm. Where is the actual body? The body was buried. See, the response to this, the Maryland Historical Society published an account in 1913 by Baltimore Mayor William M. Uh, Pogrom, who had viewed Booth's remains upon the casket's arrival at the Weaver Funeral Home in Baltimore on February 18, 1869 for burial in Greenmount Cemetery. See, the government had kept Booth's body um, when he was killed. They brought back uh, Booth's body. Uh, They shrouded it in a blanket, went at Garrett's farm, and tied it to the side of an old farm wagon for the trip back to uh, Belle Plain. There, his corpse was taken aboard the ironclad uh, Montauk and brought to the Washington Naval Yard for identification and autopsy. The body was identified there as Booth by more than 10 people who knew him. Among the identifying features used to make sure that the man that was killed was Booth was a tattoo on his right hand with his initials, JWB, a distinct scar on the back of his neck. The third, fourth, and fifth vertebrae was removed during the autopsy to allow access to the bullet. And they still have that vertebrae at the National Museum of Health and Science in Washington, D.C. The body was then buried in a storage room at the old penitentiary, later moved to a warehouse at the Washington Arsenal in October of 1867. In 1869, the remains were once again identified before being released to the Booth family, where they buried it in the family pod in Mount and Green Mount C- uh, Cemetery in Baltimore. So this guy was full of shit carrying his body. Yeah, pretty much. He was full of shit. He was absolutely full of shit. I don't know why he claimed to be uh, the assassin, probably make a couple of bucks, uh, but he was doing it was a deathbed confession, and then he was like, oh, you're okay. He was like, oh, shit, did I say it was John Wilson's booth? Well, let me pay my bill. (laughs) 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 Does that guy just drive off? He's like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. like, what did he leave in? What's a car? (laughs) So, um, yeah, the Booth's body was positively identified at the funeral home in 1869 by Booth's mother, brother, and sister, along with a dentist. 
And 1911 New York Times had published an account of the reporter detailed the burial of Booth's body at the cemetery and those who were witnesses. I'm sorry, you were going to say something. No, I was just saying that, uh, you know, I was just making a joke about the guy taking off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when confronted with the news that he, you know, is lying about the whole thing. So. Yeah, um, it's actually there was another book written in 1977, The Lincoln Conspiracy, contending that there was a government plot to conceal Booth's escape, reviving interest in the story and prompting the display again of St. Helen's mummified body in Chicago that year. This book sold more than one million copies. It was made into a feature film called The Lincoln Conspiracy that was uh, theatrically released later that year. What the hell? Who's in this movie? Uh, sh- first time shit. hearing about it. So this- yeah, first time I've ever heard about it either. Hold on the the book was written in Chicago. Or it takes place in Chicago. No, his body was John St. Helen, the guy who claimed it was John Wells Booth. Uh, was di- his mummified corpse was re- displayed in Chicago. Displayed in Chicago. Yeah. Um, no one I know is in this. Movie, yeah, no one, yeah, no one I know. That yeah, this probably a B movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's in t- top anyone's list. Uh-huh. So to disprove that this John Saint Hella guy, well, this mummified corpse of a guy <laughs> was. John Wells Booth and proved that he was shot and killed that night. In 1994, two historians, together with several descendants of the Booth family, sought a court order for the uh, immunization of Booth's body at Greenmount Cemetery, which was, according to their lawyers, intended to prove or disprove long-standing theories on Booth's escape by conducting a photo superimposition imposition analyst. The application was blocked by a Baltimore Circuit judge who cited among other things the the unreability of the petitioner's less than convincing escape slash cover-up theory as a major factor for his decision and the Maryland Court of Special Appeals upheld the ruling. They tried again in in December of 2010 descendants of Edwin Booth reported that they obtained permission to exhume the Shakespeare's actor's body to contain DNA samples to compare with samples of his brother's DNA to refute the rumor that John escaped after the assassination. Bree Harvey, a spokesman, for, spokesman from the Mount Auburn Cemetery in Cambridge, Massachusetts, Massachusetts, where Edward Booth is buried, denied reports the family had contacted him and requested to exhume Edward's body. The family hoped to obtain samples of John Wells Wells' DNA from remains such as the vertebrae that's stored in the National Museum of Health and, and Medicine in Maryland. On March 30th, 2013, the museum spokeswoman, Carol Johnson, announced the family's request to extract DNA from the vertebrae had been rejected. Okay. Yeah. Uh... Yeah. yeah, that's an uh, open and shut case in my in my view. Yeah, pretty much. The guy who claims that he was John Wells Booth was that was that? John Wells Booth. Um, I mean, even in times of like where news is spreading much slower than it is today, it doesn't have the same channels of 
of uh, getting around. I can imagine you could go a little while convincing people that you're, you know, with the lie, but um, there's so much compelling evidence. They have the guy's remains. DNA evidence has been has been brought up. So yeah, that's, that's pretty silly. Yeah, and why would you pretend to be the guy of probably the most hated man in the country at that period of time? Um, I, I understand the uh, the the lust of infamy is out there, and, or some people are just like mentally ill. But you know, you don't claim to be the guy that shot the 16th president of the United States, especially if you're like, oh, like this is true, he did get away. Well, okay, now we'll catch you and we'll send you to death. Right. <laughs> right. If we didn't before, now we will. Right. Or even if you're like you're not the not the assassin, like what's to stop us from all just gathering up and take you to the courthouse and give you some of that southern main justice that they <laughs> right <laughs> they, they, they uh doled out in those times. <laughs> I mean, come okay, Booth was shot, he was killed, he's dead. Let's mm-hmm. let's leave it at that. Those who think that, <sighs> yeah, it's just absolutely fucking just crazy. It's a crazy thought to think that, like, this man was the most when he shot Lincoln and they find out it was him. This man was the most wanted man in all the country. They had, he was the most wanted man in the world. They were determined to hunt this man down and him to slip away like that i mean it's a lot easier back then to slip away than it is now but still everyone you're you're a famous actor yeah you everywhere. can't show your face anywhere like yeah you can't it. show your face anywhere like if you that's, get away i'm sorry go ahead i was gonna say that's one of the things i was gonna mention yesterday about the reward that was mm-hmm. sold out or like the posters that were going around about the fifty thousand dollar reward for his capture yeah. Like converted into today's money, eight hundred thousand dollars. We live in such fucked up times. That doesn't seem like a lot of money, right? Right, right. But like to eight hundred thousand. That's a lot of money, right? For yeah. a reward poster back then. So, like, just to speak on like how notorious and how like widespread hunted this guy was after the assassination. Mm. Um, you know. Fifty thousand dollars back in those days. You're one of the, the one of the richest people in the world if you collect that. Yeah, exactly. That's getting you out of uh, poverty. You catch, uh, and not only that, you're you're going to be famous, and you want to make more money after that because people want to hear the tale. And right. like famous people don't go around the stage and tell people groups of people their tale, like oh, I got famous. Like the guy who, perfect example, the guy who killed Jesse James. Years later, uh, John Ford, I believe his name was. Uh, what was it? The Bob Ford. I'm sorry, Bob Ford. He 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 went around doing like reenactments of how he shot Jesse James until people got mad when he found out he shot him in the back. But hell, um, the yeah. guy that did the guy that captured Chance the Snapper, the alligator in Chicago, lived some. <laughs> Yeah, live some fame afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> I actually met him. Believe it or oh, not. Oh shit! 
<laughs> one of the craziest meetings of my life but okay. oh my god oh, sorry <laughs> yeah uh but yeah it's just it, it's hogwash some dude who i don't know he was on his deathbed thought he was on his deathbed thought it'd be one last scene to get people to remember him then all of a sudden he's like well you're okay and like oh, i better get out of dodge this lie but it's kind of morbid what happened to him like he finally does die and he gets turned into a circus attraction Right. I mean, come on, but yeah, so yeah, John Wells Booth, that 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 conspiracy theory is my great hogwash. <laughs> it's it's not true. John Wells Booth died. Uh before we get on to the next uh conspiracy theory, you w- mentioned the last episode of the Baltimore plot. Did you want to talk a little bit about that before we yeah. get into the next episode? Yeah. Yeah, because like it it goes into the the uh the bigger story we were talking about about um uh what do you want to call it? attempts on lincoln's uh, life prior to the incident at the ford theater yeah. um, so let me go ahead and bring that up one second i don't know mm-hmm. you're gonna bring it up right now just one second yeah i figured yes. we, we'd oh. go to that one before the the next one because the next one is kind of kind of a big thing so yeah, uh, I guess I can run with this one. So I guess the Baltimore plot um, uh, was a conspiracy. So this was in late February 1861. Yeah. Um, to assassinate Abraham Lincoln en route to his inauguration. Okay, so President-elect Abraham Lincoln, I should say, en route to his inauguration. Um, Alan Pinkerton. Thank <laughs> uh, <laughs> you. I know you know this name better than, uh, better than most because of a certain game that we've both played. Oh, uh, um, Red Dead Redemption. That's right. That's yeah, right. and yeah, Alan Pinkerton is the uh, founder of the Pinkerton Pinkerton uh, Agency. So that's right, uh, that's detective right. agency. So yeah. So it it turns out that um, Alan Pinkerton at the time played a key role in managing the security throughout the journey of his uh, route to his inauguration. Yeah. Um, it says it it does say here that like there is some debate among scholars that the threat was or was not real. Um the uh Lincoln took Lincoln and his and his advisors took the threat pretty seriously, which is why they, you know, hired Alan Pinkerton, famous uh detec- the head of the detective agency to provide security for him. So, anyways, um on November 6, eighteen sixty. Mm-hmm. Um, after his election, or I'm sorry, short, yeah, shortly after his election, many representatives of the Southern states made it clear that the Conf- Confederacy secession from the U.S. was inevitable, right? Right. So, plot to assassinate Lincoln in Baltimore was alleged, and he ultimately arrived secretly in Washington, D.C. on February 23rd, 1861. So, the planned route that went through Ohio, Virginia, and eventually through West Virginia had to break off and head eastward and rerouted through Pittsburgh, through Pennsylvania, into Maryland, and eventually into Washington. So regardless of um, the debate among some scholars and historians yeah. on how serious this was, it was serious mm-hmm. enough to divert or reroute this, um, what do you want to call it? This uh, is uh, pretty much inauguration route well, whatever you want to call it route, yeah route, right, it, it's route from springfield illinois to washington dc to be inaugurated as a cc president yeah right and it does say here that i think it's pretty interesting 
For the remainder of his presidency, Lincoln's many critics would hound him for the seemingly coward act of sneaking through Baltimore at night in disguise, sacrificing his honor for personal safety. Um, but it does say, like, because of the heightened security, uh, the efforts might have been very well prudent indeed. Um, yeah, yeah. It, like, you know, it, like, it was a different time back then. And even, like, whatever. If someone was trying to kill me, and the only way for me to get to point A to point B is dressing like a woman, and guess what? I'm going to wear... A goddamn dress, fucking women's underwear, laden hosen, you name it, makeup, bottle, get a wig. I don't give a fuck because I don't want because dressing like a woman is one thing. Getting shot is an entirely different thing. <laughs> I mean, so, absolutely, dude. Can you imagine the um, the the threat on this guy's life? Like, yeah, I mean, there were millions of people that hated him. Hated yeah, him. yeah, and he was going through. Baltimore, which Baltimore had a very sizable uh, secession population who wanted to secede from the Union. I mean, Maryland was a border state and it, it stayed part of the Union. Only reason why, because Lincoln immediately threw the fucking army at fucking Maryland and fucking suspended wit of habeas corpus like he did throughout the country, uh, shut down their, their state capital pretty much just took, declared martial law over the state of Maryland. And still there was battles in Maryland being fought. Like, yeah, a lot of people in Maryland hated Lincoln. Um, so, yeah, he's and he's traveling through. And the only way through that railroad to get to Washington, D.C. is you have to travel through Baltimore where the vast majority of uh, secessionists were living in Maryland. And, yeah, those, like, they don't think that the uh, the... the uh, the plot might have been substantial. Come, like, yeah, it was. They threatened the danger to kill was him. real. The, the danger, danger was real. real. So you have to change your whole itinerary to go through this town just to change trains. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do to survive. I mean, come on. And not to just, I mean, just to also mention again, like the danger of the, to this man's life. This is probably one of the ones that made it to, to popularity to even be talked about, but who knows how many um, assassination attempts or threats on his life that there was hundreds of threats on his life. with assassination attempts. There was a little bit. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So like, to me, um, the, the part about the debate around from scholars about the authenticity of this threat, mm. you know, is uh is meaningless when you think about how much uh, this guy's life was in danger and the fact that like um you know they had to in in the in the view of the public that it would come out one day they had to take this um detour yeah uh, on the way to washington dc um but anyways we don't have to go into the full details of the yeah of the baltimore plot but i thought that was pretty interesting to mention yeah, yeah, because especially before Lincoln was assassinated, there was hundreds, uh, if not thousands, of threats on his life. Uh, quite a few attempts, but nothing got close enough to him. I mean, the closest one, closest one was the one that killed him. Uh, <laughs> right. this is like this, the, the successful one. But yeah, like like even like the danger of Lincoln and the hatred that some people in the country had for him what was palpable. I mean, they literally wanted this guy dead. They wanted this guy dead 
uh, before he won the presidency, we was running in the presidency. Because like you come to, like you think about it, the guy Lincoln won the presidency without winning one southern state. He didn't win one southern state at all. Like I don't, like there was few states that pe- people voted for him. I think people if like a few areas of that became the Confederacy, even some that stayed in the Union, um, people found out you voted for Lincoln, they're gonna run you out of town right. and try to kill you. So that hatred towards this man at that time was just at an all time high. So him sneaking into uh, Baltimore and and address, it's not that. It's like, first of all, yeah, it's a little you chuckle a little bit, but it's like you got to get him. You got to get him in there. You got to get him. You got to get him to the White House. Get this man to the White House by any means necessary. So and they did. It's just uh, he didn't survive his entire time in the White House. So almost. Yeah. Yeah. He he, he won re-election, but didn't get to yeah, but yeah, that was that was an interesting. Um, not a, well, it was is a fascinating story. What the danger he had to uh, take, why he was even before he was president, that there's people that wanted him dead. So like John Wells Booth is not an anomaly. John Wells Booth wasn't the only one that hated him. Like there was around not nine million people, six million people who. <laughs> hated this man so much that they decided to leave the United States of America and take their states with them. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, dude, you just have to be successful once, right? Yeah. Assassination attempts and all of these plots, you just it just has to be successful once. Yeah, you just gotta get it once, yeah. So so yeah, that that was the Baltimore plot. So going back to the conspiracies actually killed Lincoln. Um, there was a conspiracy. The second conspiracy we're going to talk about is, was the Confederate government assisting John Wilkes Booth in this assassination? Now, um, the Confederate... The Confederacy had mirrored itself. The Confederate States of America had mirrored itself uh, after the United States. They even took up most of their constitution, except for they had one key difference in the constitution. Uh, they can own people, which is buried in their constitution. It tells people, Southern apologists and people who who, who populate the lost cause. It was like, no, the Civil War was not fought over slavery. It was fought over states' rights and tariffs and the sultry Bowman decadent Sunny South. Before I go on, what the fuck does Bomi mean? <laughs> I don't know. How do you? What is this word? Bo- Bomi. Like you hear certain like in in certain like when people talk about the Southern aristocrats that pretty much ran the Confederacy, most in their generals, they always describe the South as the sultry Bomi blah 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 south and i'm just all these years i'm wondering what the fuck does bomi mean <laughs> i'll be completely honest with you i've never heard this term before how do you yeah, even yeah, spell it? i have no idea how to fucking spell it <laughs> bomi bomi yeah bomi south like i i would literally have to ask a southern person or a story you know, best as i as a historian um what the hell that meant because every time you like, like, 
um god what, what's a perfect example um one of the worst films i've ever seen and literally i wish they would burn every copy of this film is this 2002 movie called gods and generals you ever heard of it i have with russell crowe no it's not with russell crowe actually kind of he was supposed to be in that movie Okay, then I'm not sure. I'm not sure about gods. It. And, God, gods and generals. You ever uh, Google it real quick? Gods and generals. Yeah, it's this movie made by this neo Confederate jackass. Uh fuck! I forgot the guy's name. Did you bring it up? I'm looking at it. Steve Jeff Daniels. Mira Savino. Yeah. Away. Who was the director? What's the guy's name? I totally forgot the guy's name. Um, Ronald F. Maxwell. Yeah, he's a neo-Confederate jackass. He made some of the worst films. He directed Gettysburg back in um, 1994, which was a boring piece of shit. <laughs> but people rave over it. Stories rave over it, how how accurate it was. It was like, oh, the battle scenes are so accurate. Like, in it, it, the even though they call guys and generals far inferior, I call it literally, I wouldn't wipe my ass with it after I took a shit. <laughs> uh, but yeah. yeah the, the, the run to make it a <laughs> consensus yeah. is, is at 8%. Yeah. Filled with two dimensional characters and pompous self righteousness, Gods and Generals is a long, tedious sit. Some may also take offense at the pro Confederate slant. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's bad. I can't believe it, a, it has an 8%. It should have a 1%. And only give it a 1% because it's a movie. <laughs> sure. But it's fucking terrible. It, it's, it's, it's Jeff. Yeah, you said Jeff Daniels is in it, Robert Duvall is in it. Um, who, who's that guy's name? Stephen Lang. I think you remember Stephen Lang from uh, Avatar. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He's in it. And I want to punch him, everyone who made that movie in the face really hard. Because <laughs> that movie is fucking terrible. If I ever do like get a Patreon and talk about the worst films I've ever seen, this one will be right on top of the fucking list. Right on top of the fucking list is how much I hate this goddamn movie. <laughs> But yeah, every time they describe, every time they like talk, they tell you how bad it is. Every like the like dialogue between each other is mm -hmm. a speech, mm. a grand speech. Interesting. Like, they're talking to like soldiers about fucking like, oh, this one dude deserted. Let me tell you about the sultry bombing south <laughs> and how important it is we all stay together. It's just, it's fucking terrible. And it's a war movie with no blood and no guts. And this came after Saving Private Ryan, where it showed you how real war is. But this movie is terrible. I also nicknamed the movie, the, that movie, the movie that killed world championship wrestling. But. <laughs> <laughs> how bad it was and how much money they lost off of it so they had to sell WCW to WWE but that will be in my uh, WWE episode coming up next month but um, <laughs> yeah Bomi they use that word all the time and I have no idea what it means but since we don't know about it but let's go back to this went on a huge rant about that fucking shitty ass movie <laughs> in that fucking term god uh, but 
the the confederacy was set up like the united states like i said it also had a confederate secret service and the confederate secret service only ran throughout the confederacy the united states uh, that uh continued the confederacy they also operated in the union doing sabotage missions spy missions they were also in uh england uh and also in canada and it has been proven that john wills booth made a couple of trips to montreal to meet uh confederate secret service agent um so that's right there uh so that evidence has been proven but did they give him uh if did they give him the means and the wherewithal and the assistance to be able to assassinate Lincoln. I think it's pretty much proven that they did uh, try to help him when um, he tried to kidnap Lincoln and then the plot evolved. Most historians say no. Some historians say yes. But where does that come from? Um, one, of the th- one, of the consp- one of the theories, they had that theory um, when Lincoln was first assassinated because um, we alluded to in the last episode is that Richmond, well, we did talk about it. Richmond had fell about almost a month before Lincoln assassinated and the Confederate uh, cabinet had, and some of Congress had fled the city uh, down to Southern uh, Virginia uh, where the Union Army wasn't stationed to try to have uh, put their capital in exile. And then when uh, Lee had surrendered, they kept moving far south as they possibly can. And one of the most important people that was a part of the uh, Confederate government was their president, Jefferson Davis. And at that time, uh, besides Booth, when Booth assassinated him, assassinated Lincoln, excuse me, number, and he was the most wanted man alive, Jefferson Davis was number two. Because <laughs> he was still running. They eventually called him later on uh, in, in the year. Uh, but was was he involved and some of the evidence they brought up like some members of the government particularly edward stanton thought that jefferson davis might have been involved in it but when they captured him and put him uh on trial they really had no evidence to uh prove that jefferson davis had any part in lincoln's assassination um so eventually, Jefferson Davis, he was released and left off his miserable fucking day somewhere in uh, <laughs> the South. Um, so uh, do you have any questions so far? Because I'm rambling on and on. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just sort of following along with what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lincoln's success, successor, Andrew Johnson, uh, at the time, even improved the popularity proclamation offering a hundred thousand dollar reward for davis capture declaring the atrocious murder of lincoln had been incited concerted and procured by davis and other rebels and traitors davis was finally captured in georgia disguised in his wife's coat and gown okay Okay. You know, over here making fun of Lincoln wearing a woman's dress. And what? When he catches Jefferson Davis wearing a similar women's dress. Um, <laughs> like, there was even Northern cartoonists that depicted Davis clutching a dagger to, to symbolize his uh, suspected responsibility in Lincoln's death. Uh, but again, the case wasn't uh, proven. Um, and I'm quoting from the book. Um, 
Come Retribution that was written back in the 80s um, that tries to seek to indict Davis for the crime, at least making a strong case of the assassination should be blamed on a clandestine Davis government operation gone wild. Um, Let me see if I can find the quote. Um, oops, can't find the quote, but let me sum up what some of the information that they have in the book. Uh, first, they argued that the Lincoln plot was aimed only at kidnapping the president. This is their case they're laying out for Jefferson Davis having something and the Confederate government have something to do with Lincoln's, assass- uh, Lincoln's assassination and ransoming him for a prisoner release that would replenish dwindling Southern army. Again, that's true. We talked about that in the first episode. Mm -hmm. Only later, with the war all but lost, did the Davis administration decide on sanctioning the murder of Lincoln to throw the North into turmoil, revive plummeting morale in the South, and provide a cover for Davis to move the government from Richmond and keep fighting. In the bargain, the Confederacy would get even. A revised Southern cipher code phrase reflected the new spirit of vengeance. Come retribution. Okay. Interesting. They also alluded to a plot to supposed plot that Lincoln, even though it hasn't been really proven, that Lincoln ordered the assassination of Jefferson Davis during the war. That they were going to uh, send a couple of uh, disguised Union troops into Richmond, pretending to be Southern sympathizers, get as close as they can to Davis and shoot him. And supposedly, this story goes, Jefferson Davis found out about it through a, a dispatch that was intercepted by the Confederate Army in Richmond. And Jeff Jefferson Davis saw this dispatch was like, oh, they want to kill me? Well, I'm going to fucking kill him. <laughs> um, they also talked about in the book uh, there was a scheme to blow out the White House. Excuse me? Yeah, apparently that <laughs> Jefferson Davis had approved uh, 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 once he found out about Lincoln trying to kill him and the U.S. government tried to kill him, that he approved tried to kill Lincoln. And one of the schemes was is that they go to the White House uh, pretending to be guys that's fixed up the White House because the White House was in kind of disarray. Um, like uh, Mary Todd Lincoln had described in her memoirs when she first moved into the White House that there was... Uh, the White House was in total disarray. There was tobacco stains on the carpet and uh, mushrooms growing from the walls. And uh, she had to clean that up. And she spent a lot of uh, money allocated for Congress because Congress gives allocation of money for upkeep of the White House. And the first lady in her office is usually responsible for where that money goes for upkeep of the White House. Back then, I think it's different now. Um, And she spent a lot of that money cleaning up and redecorating the White House. And it actually started, almost started, uh, uh, well, it kind of did start a um, 
congressional investigation on the spending of the funds because it was like, well, look, we're trying to get a war efforts and you're over here living like, uh, as they quoted, say, a two bit dandy back then. <laughs> or the royal family. So uh, your thoughts so far? Um, no, I, I'm, I'm still amazed by the fact that you just said he was planning on blowing up the White House. Quote, unquote, this is what they're, the, the book Come Retribution is uh, saying, that, that they were going to send Confederate agents over there to uh, help fix up the White House. They were going to bury dynamite underneath the uh, in the basement and set it for a timer and then leave and then blow up the White House when uh, Lincoln is there. Wow. It's... Uh... Quite the plot, <laughs> yeah. Book, allegedly, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, the book there, uh, the, even though the book admits is only circumstantial evidence, the authors make a strong case that John Wells Booth was a real Southern agent, not merely a stage actor gone mad. I mean, that's probably not that far from the truth. Yeah, it's been proven he met with the Secret Service, uh, Confederate Secret Service agents in Montreal a couple of times. Um, one of his uh, co-conspirators that was hanged. Um, so I make sure I have the name right. Uh, one of his co-conspirators was um, a Confederate soldier in Salvatore. Um Sorry, uh, Lewis Powell. He was a soldier, a Confederate soldier, and a saboteur, um, who had was probably talking with the Secret Service also. Um, or if anything, maybe they were financed by. Yeah, or maybe financed by because you like like John Wells Booth was was sort of wealthy, but. His family had most of the wealth. I mean, where are you getting all this? Even though it was just buying guns and stuff and horses, but you also have to have a plan to get out of the city. They they had a plan to get out of the city. I mean, uh, John Wells Booth is smart. He's an actor, but how smart is he really? And like, how much does he want to tie his own personal wealth or money? Because he's planning to escape this, right? Yeah. So to in order to not leave a paper trail, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be beneficial to use somebody else's money. Um, so he could have been financed by the Southern Army. Who knows? I mean, yeah. Uh, and, like, there's, there's this um, kind of a, I guess, I don't know if it's a myth or whatever that that, like, some historians or even apologists or people who 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 believe who who it spawns the lost cause theory that the the uh the southern generals and and the southern uh the confederate government were gentlemen they would never resort to anything like this like you're in a civil war and you're losing Mm -hmm. and you're about to lose and you're still um believing in the cause which a lot of a lot of the members are some of the some of the soldiers and some other generals might have just realized saw the writing on the walls like look we, we, we're fucking losing we ain't gonna win this day but there were some people who were who were down for the cause for so so uh just so much that i wouldn't put it past them for them to do this right right i mean that's that's a silly argument yeah 
that, uh, they, that they'd be above above uh, doing something like this. That's silly. Mm-hmm. Um. What what you're going that that the Confederates would uh, the Confederate government wouldn't do anything like that? No, I'm saying that they would. The oh, argument okay. to say that like they're too gentlemanly and southern to yeah stoop to you know conspire to assassinate the president who you know they probably didn't even recognize as the legitimate president anyways. Right. I don't you know I don't put it I don't put it past any side that's losing a war. Right. right, right, exactly. So it's yeah, like it's but yeah, especially with that, you know, it's just um, it it is absolutely believable that the um, the the Confederate government would do that. It it is believable. Uh, it's just there's no. The only thing is, is just really no evidence of them. Um, those solid evidence pointing towards that Jefferson Davis approved this, and the and the Confederacy helped John Wells Booth do this. I mean, there's argument. I can see the arguments against it. Is like, why would you entrust something that important to an actor? Right. <laughs> I mean, why would you like? Which is. Yeah, I can see that point. Like, why would you entrust something that important to an actor? But also at the same time, why wouldn't you trust something that important to an actor? He's able to get in. You yeah. don't suspect anything. He's mean, able to get in. Motive, right? Yeah, he, he, all he needs is a motive. He already has a motive. Um, Why not? He's able to get in and slip in and possibly slip out. I mean, yeah. why not? But then the question you got to ask is, like uh, Har Oswald, like, is he sort of a patsy? Like, was he just, yeah, he might have been the one up to pull the trigger, but, like, who put him there? You know what I mean? So, like, there's also that line of questions, too. Yeah, I mean, he put himself there. He fucking hated Lincoln just as much as every every other Southerner that was there. Um, and... So he put himself there. So he probably had went to it and said, I will do it. And he kind of laughed him off. And then my theory is that he was speaking with Confederate secret agents because he was a courier of information. Uh, no one ex uh, expected uh, Booth uh, to be a Southern sympathizer or being an agent and spy for the Confederate army. That he had this plot to kidnap Lincoln and they kind of laughed it off until like Grant cut off the... Um, prisoner exchange and he thought okay maybe he might be able to pull him off because Lincoln didn't have really any military protection that much he was freely going about the city like it was nothing going on um he was he was alone a lot of times only with like one other person uh, a few times uh maybe he could have got him um and that plan turned sour and maybe or maybe the confederacy is like oh let's just hold off and then like the war is going badly and maybe Lincoln did Either, either he did sign off, or he he someone in the government, maybe uh, Edward Stanton, signed off of killing Davis. If if that's true, or maybe it's not true, um, signed off of killing Davis, and he found out about it, or no one signed off about it. It was just a myth, and the war is going so badly, they're just like, you know, we we gotta 
take off the heads because it's not only Lincoln they played on assassinating that night. It was the Vice President Johnson, even though you really didn't need to assassinate Johnson because he was drunk most of the fucking time. He always showed up <laughs> his fucking inauguration drunk and went on a goddamn 20-minute fucking uh, diatribe on, on talking about nothing. They had to pull his ass off of Congress, off the Congress floor. It's like, get off the fucking floor. He's like, no, I'm not done with my speech and another thing. I hate Chicken. <laughs> Get your drunk ass off the stage. Thank you very much. God bless America. <laughs> so you would have had that guy up in there. I'm like, how much of this? He's one of the, literally one of the worst presidents that were, that were ever that, that ever lived. But mm-hmm. but still, they wanted to, to, to capitate him, and they were trying to kill the Secretary of State, and they tried to kill Grant, but Grant left town. Yeah. No, that's. Even though if, if you had a Grant had been there and he had been killed, then you would have had to deal with Sherman and Sherman would have burned all the fucking South. Checkmate. Davisites. <laughs> what did you call them? A check, check date, checkmate Davisites. Because I, I forgot to tell you there's a um, I, well, they don't do any episodes on it. There's a a show on YouTube mm-hmm. called Checkmate Lincolnites. Uh-huh. And a guy plays both a Union soldier and a Confederate soldier, and they're side-by-side debating the causes of the war or important questions of the Civil War. It's pretty funny. Yeah, check it out. We, okay. Yeah, check. it's called Checkmate Lincolnites. Okay. Like so, it, it, yeah, it's pretty funny. Guy's from New Orleans, so it, it, it's pretty funny, but... Yeah, I, I wouldn't put it past Davis and the Confederate Army or Confederate government trying to kill Lincoln and helping out Booth. I just think they got away with it because there's not enough evidence because they burnt most of their fucking uh, files uh, after uh, they left Richmond. Nothing to trace it back to him, right? Nothing to trace it back to him, but I wouldn't put it past him. Sure. I agree. I completely agree. Yeah, it is a lot. Of, I mean, it's just a lot of circumstantial evidence that's. Uh, it's nothing concrete. So, yeah, we're, I'll put this conspiracy theory as highly probable. But unproven. But unproven, yes. All right. So the last conspiracy theory that I have. This one is the most interesting one to me because it pulls in a whole nother actor, no pun intended, that I did not even know about. So this one's pretty interesting to me. Yeah, this one, I heard about it. I first heard about it like a couple of years ago. And I just went, okay. Like, uh... What it's, the fuck? <laughs> one of those things so out of left field. It's just like yes. no, that sounds like a fake article. That that like that doesn't even sound like a, a real headline. But yeah, but it, it it's 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 a real conspiracy out there. The, the conspiracy that the Roman Catholic Church was behind a Lincoln assassination. Yep. Or as, as you're about to get into, at least played a part in the cover up. Yeah, at least played a part in the cover up. Okay, so back in 1886, an ex-priest by the name of Charles Chinkery 
wrote a book titled 50 Years in the Church of Rome, which portrayed the assassination of Lincoln as a Catholic grand conspiracy. Chicory, I'm probably fucking up this guy's name, maintained that Jefferson Davis had offered $1 million as someone would kill the author of the bloodshed. Chicory wrote that the money would be offered, but that the Jesuits alone could select the assassins, train them, and show them the crown of glory in heaven. Booth was a tool of the Jesuits. He was corrupted and directed by the Vatican. In 1906, Chicory had said the president, Abraham Lincoln, was assassinated by priests in the Jesuits of Rome. In 1856, Lincoln had defeated Chicory in court. Chicory had quarreled with his bishop and then, then was sued for slander by one of the bishop's friends, the bishop himself having nothing to do with the complaint. The moral's charge was also involved. The case was heard from May 20th to May 22nd, 1856 in Urbana, Illinois. Lincoln arranged for a compromise settlement, but Chicory in interpreted the settlement as a victory over the church. He felt some Jesuits held Lincoln responsible for the settlement. In 1897, Thomas M. Harris, a member of the 1865 Military Commission, wrote a book entitled Rome's Responsibility for the Assassination of Abraham Lincoln. Other books that involve the Roman Catholic Church in the assassination include Democracy of the Seas, the Jesuits' attempt to destroy the popular government of the United States, the true story of Abraham Lincoln's death by C.T. Wilcox, and the suppressed truth about the assassination of Abraham Lincoln by Burt McCarthy, written in 1924. McCarthy's opening sentence was, In all the bloody history of the papacy, perhaps no one man, as in Abraham Lincoln, was there constructed... Contracted it as such a, a multitude of reasons for his annihilation by that system. The inquiry into the assassination of Abraham Lincoln by Ernest McLaughlin, which was published in 1963, among other points, McLaughlin maintained that the majority of American Catholics were in favor of slavery and opposed to Lincoln. The author said the totalitarian totalitarian papacy considered Lincoln a major enemy and that the church for centuries had been involved in numerous instances of forcible removals of heads of state who had seen who it had condemned. Okay. So there was definitely some beef there. <laughs> yeah, apparently there was some beef with this guy. I, I did find the court case. Um, it, it wasn't, didn't go too much into it, but it was like, it was, it was a it was a he said, she said, no, he said, he said thing quarrel between two bishops. Um, Lincoln uh, represented the other bishop opposed to uh, Chinquilli. And he, Lincoln won because he was a good lawyer. And apparently this guy had, per the assassination theory, had hatred in his heart and he saw Lincoln as a great usurper and an infidel. So he went out and told the church about it and the church went, hmm, interesting, we have to watch this and saw the bloodshed of the Civil War and was like, also got the $100 million offer from uh, Jefferson Davis. So they trained John Wells Booth and uh, John Surratt and the rest of his assassins to go kill Lincoln. And apparently this was kind of a popular theory. 
Yeah, again, there's definitely some uh, beef there, and it's, uh, you know, a, a plausible alibi, I guess, but, or not, not alibi, I'm sorry, plausible motive, but, um, you know, was is there more to it than that? I'm not sure. Uh, let me see. Uh, I mean, mainly it ties back to John Surratt because he, um, when he fled to Europe, he went immediately to the Vatican and became one of the, the people's guards. Exactly. This is the part that I'm interested in. So, yeah, he, but he also at the same time gave a fake name. And when they found out who he was, they arrested him right then and there. But he slipped away, correct? He escaped, yeah, because I guess the Vatican jails are, are uh, <laughs> not exactly escape proof. <laughs> I mean, when you're serving the Lord, how can you watch over the prisons? <laughs> I mean, that's what they tie it to. And that's one of the main, like, that they tie it, that's one of the main things that they tie it to. It was like, well, John Surratt got away and mm-hmm. fled to the Vatican. And like, okay, yeah, that's true. But the minute they found out who he was, they arrested him promptly. Yeah, but like, I don't know. It, it just seems weird to me that like he would go take shelter in the Vatican, be allowed in, maybe under false pretenses. Uh, under a different name, as it says here. But then, like, upon being pressured by the United States, they have to arrest him, and then he gets away, and then he's, what, found in Egypt, as the story goes? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 he, he was finally arrested and brought back to the uh, United States when he was captured in Egypt. Again, we're talking about some of the most wanted people in the world. Well, right? he, he talking about one haunted person, one haunted person, because he called everyone else. He called his mother. They executed his mother. So we talk about one, and he wasn't that well known. And come, and I think it was just a case of the United States saying because one of his childhood friends had outed him and told the American Embassy, and he got back to the United States. So he contacted the Vatican. It was like, hey, you have. One of the guys that's wanted for the assassination of Abraham Lincoln is right there. I think it might have just been, well, we don't think that's him. It was like, no, that's him. <laughs> so you're saying it's more of just incompetency rather than a conspiracy? More, more or less incompetency, yeah. I mean, the, there wasn't pictures weren't being circulated. It's like now, like someone commits a crime, you find out who he is, their pictures are all over the damn place. Back then, like news traveled slow. Sure. So it might have just been the case of that, or it might have been just a case of this guy works like, well, we don't believe that he had anything that was involved in that. Um, it's it had to have been a thing where, um, like we don't we don't believe it, but they keep pressuring him, and they were just like, uh, all right, we'll just fucking arrest him. We'll, we'll arrest him and. Uh, maybe it was the papal see their jail sucked, or maybe they're just like, hey, hey, we're we're gonna go over here and uh, uh, fast and pray. So we'll just leave the door open. Don't you go anywhere. Don't you go anywhere. All right. <laughs> he said, maybe, well, he said maybe the papal see sucked. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, this. <laughs> funny. Maybe they did. Maybe they. Maybe they fucking sucked. <laughs> Interesting, Nick. I thought you'd be a bit more. Um, what do you want to call it? Questioning of, of this one, but you seem to be siding on the fact that they just were incompetent. I think they were competent, and also I think this conspiracy goes along because there's still there was back then in uh, a lot of anti-Catholic fear. I yeah. mean, th- yeah, it was just a lot of anti-Catholic fear. I think it's just just anti. They were just anti-Catholic back then, and yeah, the Catholic Church is not the squeakiest clean of places. Uh, <laughs> sure, fucking sure. children. I'm sorry, <laughs> but back then, um, I, I, and I don't see any evidence of it. Other, the only thing that you can point to, really. I mean, yeah, you talk about this this chicory guy or whatever. I'm probably fucking up his name. Who cares? But only other evidence you could point to is John Surratt. Yeah, I mean that's the only thing tying it to it. Yeah, but sure. even if you yeah, even you go back to his trial, the guy the the jury deadlocked on the same evidence that got his mother killed. Right, but it, it was literally uh... the same evidence. But it was a what do you want to call it? A, a not a public or a public trial, not a military tribunal. Yeah, it wasn't a, mili- a military tribunal. It was it was a a, a a jury of his peers, right? And maybe, but they they still went. Uh, I don't know about this one. Yeah, like right. this 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 like uh, we don't know about this one. So it's it just. I, I, I don't, this conspiracy, I, I, I feel, is just a bunch of malarkey. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a bunch of malarkey. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I just, how, how do you feel about this conspiracy? Uh, no, I just, uh, you know, I thought it was interesting that anytime the Vatican's name gets pulled into any conspiracy, my ears always perk up. Yeah. Um, but, you know, other than just like, some in, uh, like I keep saying some incompetency or just uh, uh, some some bad guards at a at a jail um, letting this guy escape. I guess there isn't too much for for this one to stand on. So yeah, yeah, just uh, just yeah, that was that was bad conspiracy. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it, it, I, I give a, I, I tell you, I give a little more credence than uh, John Wells Booth surviving, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's just, yeah, it, yeah, it just no. But there was other conspiracies we're not going to get into. Uh, there was a conspiracy that maybe his Secretary of War Edward Stanton had wanted him killed um, briefly. Like he got Stanton, and Stanton was. Uh, when he first became Staten first became Secretary of, of War, I think he was like Lincoln's third Secretary of War. Uh, he really didn't like Lincoln because uh, he was kind of a not a pro southerner but he was he was sympathetic to slavery and um, but he was pro union and hanging around Lincoln like he really at first really couldn't stand Lincoln and then he gained to respect Lincoln. And then he, he literally, you ever see someone come from the conservative side to over to the fucking damn near socialist side. And the perfect example would be Edward Stanton. Cause after Lincoln was assassinated, he, 
fucking took over the government. He was like, hunt these son of the bitches down and shit. And um, Stanton became a radical Republican. He wanted uh, to punish this, not only punish himself, but also give land reforms to uh, freed African-American men and women. Uh, he, he was a, uh, selected to be part of the Supreme Court, but he died before he could take the oath. Um, but there's this conspiracy that he might have uh, tried to have Lincoln killed because personal jealousy or whatever. I don't believe that. That's a bunch of crap. Mm-hmm. Um, Northern, There's a conspiracy of some disaffected Northerners that wanted Lincoln dead to stop the war. Some of their, their reasons for that uh, doesn't make any sense because he had won the war, but he said he cost them a lot of money. That, that just doesn't go anywhere. Maybe Booth had a couple of Northerners help him out, maybe, but there's no substantial proof. And, of course, there's the Lincoln was... Um, not assassinated, but kidnapped by aliens, and they put a doppelganger <laughs> down, and that's who Booth shot. And Lincoln is living amongst the stars, dancing around to that one song. Lincoln's been doing it for over a hundred something years. Yeah, of course, there's that. Always the aliens. Yeah, always the aliens. But before we end this episode, you want to hear another interesting story? What happened? Sure. To Lincoln, apparently Lincoln couldn't rest in peace. <laughs> oh, yeah. So when Lincoln was when Lincoln died, they uh, wanted to return his body back to Springfield. It went on this long um, uh, train ride that went up to from Washington to Baltimore to New York to Boston, then back down through all the way to Chicago, and he wanted to take it back to Springfield and. Um, there was the governor, the Illinois governor at the time, uh, was selected to confer with the Lincoln family on a burial place, and uh, they had a conference in April, April, April sixteenth. And Mary Lincoln was not receiving visitors, but she preferred Chicago or the empty crypt in the U.S. Capitol that be prepared for George Washington. There is an empty crypt in the in the the basement of the Capitol that was supposed to be for the burial of George Washington, but his family went, no, we're burying him in Mount Vernon. Oh, wow. So there's just an empty crypt in there. That's a historical. I think the empty crypt holds the Lincoln cataphract, the stage that was uh, uh, set up in the rotunda of the Capitol uh, to display Lincoln's body. And there's been done for various other uh, uh, presidents who have died um, and uh, state figures and stuff like that. They still use the cat- the Lincoln cataphract to this day. Um, she finally re- uh, relented to have her buried in Springfield when her son, Robert Todd Lincoln, was able to sway her to allow a Springfield burial by promising to take Willie Lincoln's body along. Uh, his son, Willie, had died uh, while Lincoln was in office. And uh, he was buried in Washington, so they disinterred Willie's body and put it on the train with Lincoln and spread it to Springfield. Uh, Springfield wanted a prominent burial location, a location would draw visitors into downtown Springfield. Um, and the plot would be in the center of Springfield on a hill. Um, Mary Lincoln didn't like that. 
She recalled that Lincoln once said that he wanted a quiet place for his burial at Oak Ridge Cemetery. And um, on April 28th, Mary sent a message to the Secretary of War, Edward N. Stanton, which she stated the decision was final and that Lincoln's remains must be placed in Oak Ridge Cemetery. She said that that's not negotiable. If they don't put him in Oak Hill, she'll bury him and have her husband's remains taken to Chicago. So they relented and they buried him uh, in Oak Hill's uh, cemetery. Um, at the end of his funeral procession. So they built this temporary uh, receiving vault for him. They placed him and Willie in it. And the guy couldn't rest in peace because someone tried to steal his goddamn body. (laughs) Of course. So um, they finally completed the tomb completed the receiving tomb that he was permanently going to be buried in in 1874. Lincoln was placed in a white marble sarcophagus in a burial room behind a steel gate locked with a padlock. In November 1876, the Chicago counterfeiter, James Big Jim Canary, planned to steal Lincoln's body and hold it in exchange for a pardon for one of his engravers, who was, sit- who was serving a 10-year sentence in Illinois State Penitentiary, and $200,000. Um, he was big. Jim was a big time counter uh, counterfeiter, and counterfeiting was running rapid back there. But the sophistication uh, of the counterfeiting had changed because the Secret Service was on it. But one of the best engravers had worked for Big Jim, and they ended up catching him after he fled pretty much across the country. They ended up catching him and sentenced him to ten years. So Big Jim was losing a lot of money. So he comes up with this idea that actually someone else came up with a couple of years ago and Big Jim was like, no, that's fucking morbid and stupid. No, we're not doing that. Someone else wanted to kidnap Lincoln's body and, and exchange it for money, uh, part of his criminal enterprise. But he was like, oh, I remember that idea. Let's go do that. So the plot failed when two men recruited to assist turned out to be paid government informants. And the men sent to get the body did not plan for how to remove the quarter-ton cedar and lead coffin from the grounds. Oh, just a small little detail of removing, uh, you know, a couple of tons stones. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) So they fucked that shit up real bad. (laughs) And they ended up getting caught. So... And, and ended up catching them in the act. Like they got like part of the coffin out, mm-hmm. and someone like they were going to. They wanted to, like the guy in charge who was a part of a, a part of the Secret Service wanted to catch him as they were picking up the coffin and taking it out. But one of his agents had dropped their gun and it went off, and they were like, "Oh shit, we gotta get out of here!" And they scampered away. They ended up catching them in Chicago. Uh, later on in the week. But yeah, you got the president's damn coffin hanging out of there, and the cemetery is about to open. So the custodian, a guy named John Carroll Power, and a group of trusted confidants moved the coffin from his room to a secret location in the basement of the tomb. Finding the ground waterlogged, they temporarily set the coffin on the ground, disguised it under a pile of wood. Wow. 
It, moving the coffin proved difficult because it weighed some 400, 500 pounds, and powers of the members of the Monument Association were mostly in their 60s. They were relieved to find that the seals on the coffin were intact and that Lincoln's remains had not been disturbed. The following July, Canary and some other members of the conspiracy asked, asked Powell to bury the coffin. He said that the un, uh, unventilated basement was almost impossible to enter in the summer weather and also moving the heavy coffin had been brutally hard on himself and other aging um, aging Monument Association members. Powers who recently celebrated his 70th birthday said that he suffered from cramping pains for months afterwards and had no desire to do it again. <laughs> Lesson learned. Yeah, the coffin therefore sat in the basement for another year. <laughs> Finally, a group of men in their 30s were hired to move the coffin, and on November 18, 1878, the coffin was moved and reburied in a shallow grave in the far end of the labyrinth of the oh, basement. After receiving anonymous threats in the mail, the coffin was dug up two years later to make sure it was still there. In 1880, Powers and Associates formed Lincoln Guard of Honor to serve as custodians of Lincoln Remains. Other than its members, only Robert Todd Lincoln knew of this organization. And in 1882, when Mary Todd Lincoln died, Robert instructed the Guard of Honor to bury his mother's coffin wherever they kept their father's. Both coffins remained in the basement until 1887 when they were encased in a brick vault at which time Lincoln's coffin was open to verify that his remains were still there. So finally, Robert Todd gets sick of this shit. <laughs> it was like, look, something needs to be done about this. My, my mother and my father are in a goddamn basement. <laughs> so, um, and also at that same time, the original tomb built on unsuitable soil was in constant need of repair. In 1900, a complete reconstruction was undertaken. Lincoln's remains were exhumed and their coffins were placed back in a white marble sarcophagus. In August 25th, 1901, upon completion of the reconstruction, Robert Todd Lincoln visited the tomb. He was unhappy with the disposition of his father's remains and decided that it was necessary to build a permanent crypt for his father. Lincoln's coffin would be placed in a steel case 10 feet deep and encased in concrete in the floor of the tomb. On September 26, 1901, the body was exhumed so it could be reinterred in a newly built crypt. However, several of the 23 people present feared that the body might have been stolen in the intervening years, so they decided to crack open the coffin and check. A harsh choking smell arose when the ca ca casket was opened. Lincoln was perfectly, rec perfectly recognizable more than 30 years after his death. His face was gold-colored from unhealed bruises, results of the injuries he suffered uh, from the gunshot wound, which had shattered the bones in his face and damaged the tissue. His hair, beard, and mole were all perfectly preserved, though his eyebrows were gone. His suit was covered in a yellow mold, and his glo gloves had rotten to its hands. On his chest, you could see some bits of red fabric, which they figured out was a remnant of the American flag, which he was buried in, which had been then disintegrated. This is in 1901? Yeah, 1901. Yeah. Wow. The last person to see the body was 13 at the time. He ended up dying in February 1st, 1963. Um, yeah. So they cased it, they locked the cage, they cased it in concrete, 
and then put Marvel on it. And yeah, so good luck trying to steal it now, fuckers. (laughs) (laughs) And his wife and most of his kids, except for Robert Todd, are buried in the the room adjacent to him. Um, They're sort of kind of in a wall. Mm-hmm. And Marvel's put over that. Only Robert Todd is not buried there. He's buried at Arvington Cemetery. I'm glad they were able to finally let the guy rest in peace, man. Yeah, yeah. So finally, he gets to rest in peace. Wow, that's an interesting fact. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the. Uh, Story of the assassination of uh, the uh, president, 60 president of the United States, Abraham Lincoln. If you want to learn more about Lincoln, (laughs) (laughs) there's various books, documentaries, TV shows. If you want a nice little road trip, you can head down to Springfield. You can uh, check out uh, the uh, Oak Hill Cemetery and see his monument. He's there. Um, and also make a day of it. Go to Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum in downtown Springfield. Also the old state capitol building. If you're here right here in Chicago, you head down to the Chicago History Museum, which holds Lincoln's clothing he wore the night he died in the bed frame that he died in. Also, if you want to get a little morbid, <laughs> you could uh, head up to uh, Dearborn, Michigan, the Henry Ford Museum, uh, has a display of the chair in which Lincoln was shot in, <laughs> with blood stains on it. I've seen no, that. They, oh, oh yeah, with blood stains on it. Yeah. Um, or if you want to get uh, go through his last days, you can head up to Washington D.C. You got the Lincoln Memorial, yeah, right. the Ford Theater uh, Museum, um, along with the Peterson House. It's all one museum. Go across the street. Uh, and, or you could just go to the various places that's named after Lincoln. Go <laughs> <laughs> to Lincoln College, you get some Lincoln logs. We used to sell a Lincoln burger that was pretty delicious back in the suburbs <laughs> in Northwest Indiana. Remember that? The Link- Lincolns? I do, actually. Well, you had the Lincoln burger. It was freaking delicious. It's just, right on Lincoln Avenue. <laughs> yeah, right on Lincoln Avenue. Yeah, so, yeah, that's the uh, story of. The assassination of Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, man, this was interesting. It was a lot less uh, conspiracy laden than I thought it was going to be, but um, I learned a lot along the way. Yeah, <laughs> so thank you for taking me on this journey. Yes, it was a hell of a journey. It really was. Um, so yeah. <laughs> oh man. So, any last uh, thoughts before going to updates? Um, no, that's basically about it. Um, you know, I, like I said, I, I thought there was going to be a bit more to the conspiracy surrounding it, but, um, all of them seem to be pretty sealed up. No pun intended. Like his coffin, um, at this point. So yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yes. All right. Let's get on to, uh, updates real quick. Um, yeah, I want to update a story we did uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, remember the episode, the phantom, Barbara of Tuscaloosa, Mississippi. Remember that episode we did? Of course, yes, I do. Yeah, and uh, we also uh, it was a uh, it was like a slash episode. We also talked about uh, the assassination of Malcolm X. 
Um, just recently, two of the members, two of the two of the men who were part of the Nation of Islam at the time, who was convicted for the murder of Malcolm X, uh, Muhammad Ab- Abdul Aziz, uh, formerly known as Norman Three X Butler, and Kalal Islam, uh, to- who was then known as Thomas Fifteen X Johnson, were recently exonerated for the murder of Malcolm X. Um, after a review uh, that found the FBI and the New York Police Police Department withheld key evidence during the trial. Um, now, uh, Thomas 15X Johnson had passed away, but, um, well, uh, Kalal Islam, but Muhammad Abdul Abzeebs uh, uh, is, still, is still with us. We'll make sure. Uh be sure I have that right. Yes, he is still he is still with us as long with, as long as the other guy that was convicted um, for the murder of Malcolm X, Thomas Hagen, who is now known as uh, Muhammad Abdul Halim, the, he wasn't exonerated. He, he still maintains that he did it. But the other two men who maintained they were innocent at that time was exonerated. And uh, one of us, one of them, unfortunately not with us anymore, but he took it to uh, his uh, deathbed that he did not do that. So they, those two men were exonerated uh, for the murder, which begs the question, if those two men didn't do it, who did? Who did, right? Which maybe we'll do a up, update episode and get a little bit more information about it. But to update that story, um, these two men were exonerated, which is good. good. And, and this was pretty recently, yeah? Yeah, this was recently, uh, 2021. Okay. They were, they were exonerated. So, yeah, there's that. Um, also... Huh. I think that's mainly it. Well, we got some episodes coming up for you uh, in the near future. Uh, we have an episode uh, about pro, my, one of my favorite sports, professional wrestling, coming up pretty soon. Uh, we also have uh, coming up in May, uh, Alien UFO Month. Uh, time where another's nice and we get to watch the size. So hopefully, Ogul, you will join me for one of the two episodes or both episodes that month. Of course. Give me a heads up. Absolutely. Yeah, so it will be in May. <laughs> That's plenty of heads up, okay? There's plenty of heads up. So we got that coming up. Uh, also, our summer series coming up. Uh, we have a, a multi-parter on an issue that uh, uh taken pretty close to the heart and um, also the anniversary show coming up in October uh, and also a lot of other good uh, stories that um, we, we are uh, bringing to you of the weird and mundane ghosts, other conspiracy theories, cults, unsolved murders, solved murders, you name it. We're going to do it right here on uh, weekend weird. So, uh, and also before we go, um, before we before we start recording this podcast, I, I got some. Being a professional wrestling fan, we got some bad news that um, Scott Hall, the uh, man, if you do follow professional wrestling, known uh, formerly known as Razor Ramon, uh, one of the founding members of the New World Order wrestling faction, had uh, passed away 
uh, tonight. Um, oh. Yeah, and it was a really, uh, really bad blow. I grew up watching that guy. Um, he probably was innovator of one of the greatest wrestling matches of all time. The latter match, him and Shawn Michaels. Uh, career dates back to the old AWA, WCW, WWE, two-time WWE Hall of Famer. Followed some rough times. Was able to pick himself back up um, and get get healthy. But unfortunately, you know, uh, he had uh, three heart attacks after having hip replacement surgery, years of hard drinking and drug use, and also during the life of professional wrestlers. Of a wrestler out there, 300 days out of the year working, it caught up to him. But, um, glad he was clean at the end, and he was one of the coolest professional wrestlers out there. I actually met him uh, a couple of years ago at a, a wrestling convention. Um, and I, I, I wish I had grabbed a picture with him because I was walking past him and I told him, I was like, hey, I don't want to bother you, but I, I'm a huge fan. I've been a fan since I was a kid. I just want to thank you for entertaining me all these years. He looked at me. He's like, thanks very much, man. Shook my hand. And um, I was on my way. I didn't want to bother him. But, uh, yeah, we lost a legend tonight. So uh, uh, to quote him, uh, you gotta, I'm quoting him. You got to keep fighting on. Like, tough times don't last. But uh, bad guys do. So, uh, yeah, rest in peace, Scott Hall. Rest in, rest in power. Yeah, sorry to hear that, man. Yeah, it's really bad. But, uh, yeah, we're going to keep powering on because that's what we got to do because don't know when every day will be our last. Kind of like Lincoln. <laughs> I don't want to die. Yeah, I don't want to die in a theater. <laughs> so, uh, thank you, Ogul. Thank you for doing this. Uh, do, do hopefully you'll come back uh, for more episodes. Don't be a stranger, please. <laughs> right. uh, so, for myself, Red Nick and Ogul, we thank you for listening to Weekend Weird. Uh, we'll see you next time. But most importantly, stay weird because being weird is really cool. We'll talk to y'all soon. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.